1: Touchdown, Raiders! Would you believe it?
0: This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q.
2: Coming up, we'll have Nate Hobbs. You'll hear his conversation he had with the media a little earlier today from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Also, we'll have Matt Holder from BlackPride.com will join us at 3.30 to talk about his interview that he had with Darren Waller and what he took away from that interview, what he learned about Darren Waller. That's coming up at 3.30. Nate Hobbs at about 3.10. Uh, got a couple calls and texts that I want to get to real quick. Sam and Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Big Dub Raider said, yeah, Q, I didn't know what the heck Mitch in New Jersey was talking about. Reminded me of the scene in ATL with dude mumbling in the back seat with Diana Ross's son. Go Raiders. That's from Big Dub Raider. Also, Rob in Oakland hit us up and said number of possessions has always correlated with wins. That's why an offense that converts third and fourth downs and a defensive special teams unit that creates turnovers will lead to wins. In today's past happy NFL, I'd like to see the Raiders create more interceptions. That would show all of us the secondary can cover, anticipate, and penalize teams for putting the ball in the air. Imagine the Jeff Heath interception against Mahomes happening four or five more times per season. Those are game-winning football plays. That's from Rob in Oakland, always dropping some great knowledge whenever he hits us up on the Salmonash text line. Again, 69187, keyword R&R. And and you are not wrong. Matter of fact, you're spot on. Uh, those, those were plays and Jeff Heath was really good at that. And I remember covering him when he was a member of the Dallas Cowboys, he was never the best athlete. He was never the best safety, but he was a guy that was smart and he created turnovers. He was able to have a nose for the football. He was always around the ball. And that exactly what Rob said, those are game winning football plays. And what do we hear from this regime all the time? We want to see smart football players, high football IQ, Jeff Heath, he has exactly that, a high football IQ. Now it's going to have to uh, be the job of Patrick Graham and, and not only the coaching staff but the players to make sure that they have that high football uh, IQ and they're able to create turnovers and they're able to anticipate in order to, in, in order to close games out. Again, I, I keep bringing up Trayvon Merrick against Washington. You know, that's an anticipation play. That's when you see the ball coming and you know what time it is. It's game-sealing moment. I've got to make this play. Like, I have to make this play. You can't give a team another opportunity. I say this in baseball all the time. I think that's the sport that stands out the most. If you give another team an extra out, it, it burns you almost every single time. Whenever you see a, a baseball team make an error and a guy gets on base or, or gets an extra swing, you know, maybe uh, they catch the ball in, in foul territory but they drop it, and then a guy gets another opportunity to get another pitch, usually that ends up resulting in a hit. You cannot give a team another opportunity. You've got to be able to make that play, that game-winning football play. Robin Oakland, great text, my man. Definitely appreciate you. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Fargo Raiders. It's been a minute, man. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey,
1: Q, DeMond. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, man, you know, it's heating up, so all, everything's getting unfrozen. Time to dig and crawl in. An attics. already dug a nail in my Dug a nail in my arm and <laughs> let me tell you, they've been running me ragged. But it's good, man, you know, land of prosperity, that's what we came here for. Uh getting back to my, my Raiders, i I know everybody'd like to see in Dominicus over here, but honestly, I think it would we'd be we'd be better off spending our money taking care of our rooks, you know, and seeking out a little bit more depth on the O-line. I know that anybody that's going to be left over right now isn't going to be the cream of the crop, but going with the history of our team, how many times have we been stuck with guys on the line, you know? We have prospects that we expect to be there, and then a la Richie Incognito, we gave him the veteran minimum to come back, and we're expecting him to hold down that spot, and then we had to, you know, have that John Simpson over there. Hopefully, this time around, we can get a little more depth so we can get that competition and find out who we really want there and young guys who who can stick around who won't be injury-prone. Let me tell you, my coach used to tell me all the time, goals that you don't score are goals against you. And I'm tired of seeing us not being able to punch it through in the red zone uh, and I, the play calls will change. But there's going to come time we have got to pound the rock in there so we can wear down teams. And I'd like to be able to do that moving forward. Thank you guys for taking my call, and you have a great day.
2: Hey, man, thanks for the call, Fargo. Definitely appreciate hearing from you, my man. I'm glad it's thawing out there, and you're starting to be able to move and shake a little bit. And uh, like I said, thank you for the call. And I'll say this, and Adam Hill really helped us out when he joined us in the last uh, hour talking about Sue. He, I mean, I've always been talking about he's a luxury, but I almost kind of Got on board with going ahead and bringing Sue in. You know, I I almost got in board, on board with, like, bringing him in sooner rather than later. Uh, again, I think that there's some pretty good depth along the defensive line. But just the attitude and the way that he can approach the game, I think the what he brings, the style that he brings to the game, that would be something that would be good for the Raiders to bring in. Probably not even good. It'd probably be great for the Raiders to bring in. So I'm starting to get a little bit more warmed up to the idea of bringing Sue in if they can get him at the right price. But uh, thank you, Fargo. For that call, I did get a really good text, and then we'll get to Nate Hawes. my man, P.E. in North Carolina, hit me up and say, Yo, Q, third down percentage. We can create more possessions by simply getting off the field on third down. Daman, that's big. You you just looked up at the camera at me and was like, I could tell that you were like, yeah, yeah, third down. Get off the field on third down, you're going to get more possessions just right there.
3: And that was one of the things that hurt the team so much last year. Even like against non-mobile quarterbacks, running to get first down, and those things are just—they take the air out of the room. It's just the all-man moment. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. So it's one of those things. Like we we've been saying a lot, a lot. Adam even said it when it comes to creating turnovers. It's the easy things to say. It's obvious, but they really got to get them done because they they are that important.
2: Right. Exactly. No. No. You're you're right. And I know there's so many times I sat there in the press box and the Raiders got you know to third and long and were, it was the defense We're out on the field, you know, third and long, and I would tweet out, hey, this is a big opportunity for the Raiders to get off the field. All right, converted first down. You know, so-and-so team converted to first down. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, P.E. in North Carolina, thank you for that text, my man. You, you bring up a great point, getting off the field, particularly in third and long. It's one thing if it's third and one, third and two, I get it. You know, the percentages are pretty good for the offense. But, man, when it's third and eight, third and seven, third and nine, and you can't get off the field – that's when it is a problem. So, again, thank you for that text. I do appreciate you. Now, earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, cornerback Nate Hobbs spoke to the media, and it's funny because he was even asked about the little safety-type situation in that media session. But here is Nate Hobbs earlier today.
0: Going to a new defensive uh, coordinator and defensive system, Um, is it a subtle change from last year or a pretty dramatic change from from what you guys were doing last
4: year? I think um, it's it's a mix between subtle – and a, a, a big change, because anytime you play at, at this level, it's just different. It's just different parts. It's different moving parts, you know, same same things, but just different moving parts. so we gotta be able to adjust all the players.
0: This time last year, you were kind of a wide eyed rookie uh, yeah. doing this for the first time. Now you're a veteran that had a, a good uh, rookie season. How different uh, does it feel this time of year this year compared to last year?
4: Um, it definitely it definitely feels a little different i got a little bit more experience but i just feel like honestly for me it's the same dynamic because we got a new staff new players and um obviously a new defense so i'm just i'm trying to prove myself again as as, as we all are out there so uh, i just try to take the same approach and hit it running and go hard every day
0: talk about the, the new defense overall what, you you specifically are they asking you to do different things where are you? Uh,
4: Where do you see your role being in this? this? Right now I play DB. I play whatever the coaches want me to play. Honestly, I I just feel like I got to be that flex guy. I could do whatever they ask me to. So that's where my mind is.
0: Because along that. I mean, do you see
4: yourself playing outside more this year? Then I see myself playing wherever the
3: coaches want me to play. <laughs> yes, if you personally, how much did the playing at Illinois under under Levy Smith and you know having that NFL system that he runs, how much did that help you kind of adjust to these different systems that you go through in the NFL? I
4: think it definitely prepared me for the NFL because um, I had a, I had an NFL head coach come down to college, so all the terminology, um, all the coverages I learned in depth. Um, and just picking his brain, and I got a lot of wisdom from that. So it definitely makes it easier at this level because I've seen a lot of it before.
3: Dave, Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review-Journal. What was the favorite, you have a favorite moment from your rookie season? Is there a moment or a memory that jumps out about last year?
4: Um, dang, that's a, that's a good question. It's a lot. Um, I think really just really practice, practice every day. And grinding like you know, as a rookie, the season's never that long, so it's a grind. Just grinding, you know, getting that bond with your with your teammates and and the players that you play with. So that was the highlight of my year, just bonding every day and coming to work and going hard. It's a pretty young cornerback
0: room uh, this year, losing Casey Hayward, the veteran uh, that's moved on. Um, what's the dynamic like uh, in in that room right now?
4: I think honestly it's just as competitive. Like I got the I got the amazing opportunity to play with um last year with Casey Hayward, guys like Casey Hayward, Brandon Faison, um a lot of a lot of good players. And I think same dynamic, we just brought in a lot of guys who could play. Like we don't got a true star in the in the D B room, but everybody to me, everybody could play. Like it's gonna be a battle at every position, so
3: Kind of Coming off of that question, you and Trayvon played a lot of snaps, a lot of games for rookies. How much confidence does that give you two just as being in the backfield, being those two rookies that play so much to really kind of make this DB room yours going into this next year?
4: Um, experience definitely breeds confidence. So like once, you know, as a rookie, you got that, that firsthand experience out the way that was your first year. So coming back the second year, you just start noticing little things, small details that uh take your game to that next level. So I just feel like um me, Trey and um even a couple of other guys like T G who was a rookie last year, Malcolm, um, Diablo, we all got, you know, a, a keen eye, better better eye on us.
5: Was there any big lesson that you learned last year that now heading into this year, you
0: know, going forward you can build off of or work off work
4: on? Um Never, never, never change your attitude. Come to work with the same attitude every day, and I, I feel like it's going to pay off on on Sundays. Do you find
2: yourself looking at the AFC West now, even in June, and and being challenged and wanting to show that a defense can stand out, even with all the
5: superpower offenses out there?
4: I feel like honestly, it's the same because it was it was it was like this last year. You know, we got more people in our division now. Russell Wilson, all those guys, but it's the, the competition level is the same. It's always going to be highly competitive, so we're going we going to approach it that way. You probably say that about your same your own team because yeah. you guys are lining up against Hunter Renfro and Devonte Adams, yes. Aaron Waller. Um, how does that help you guys? Especially? Man, I think I think that gives us as a defense, like as a defense, like one of the best looks, like prepares for. Almost anybody, if if not, you know anybody. So uh, I really appreciate the guys on the other side. They get me better every day. Devonte, Hunter, Darren, Derek.
0: When you see route runners like that, those precision route runners, and Devontae and Hunter and those guys, how does how does that help you in terms of you know what you're looking for from wide receivers?
4: Um, yeah, it really don't get much better than Hunter and on the inside. Um, Devontae Adams on the outside and Darren Waller at the flex While So when when you do, you know, when we do fit the routes up, you know, correctly or you do get that work every day, that competition every day, it just makes it that much easier and gives you confidence when you can do it against those guys. Nate, two and more. Willie and Paul.
5: Nate, Willie Ramirez with the Associated Press. If I can piggyback off Cassie's question, just a lot of things took place last season with the entire team, a lot of people, mm-hmm. for you specifically. Now getting into Mm -hmm. mentally stronger mental lessons. How are you stronger this season, based off what you had to deal with, coming in with sort of a clear, focused mind?
4: Um, I feel like honestly, my whole life I've been dealing with things. It's just like I feel like life is a test. Like throughout, it's never gonna your life never gonna stay good and it's never gonna stay bad. It's always a test, and you gotta stay level headed. No matter if it's good or if it's bad. I feel like it's never as bad as you think, never as good as you think. So stay level-headed in the midst of everything and stay disciplined. Keep your spirit up. I feel like everything will work itself out. And then then relying on uh, God, Lord, uh, Jesus Christ. That's what I tend to rely on.
5: Nate, you've been a pro now for almost a year. Well, since you've been drafted, it's been more than a year. And you've already gone through three head coaches. How different
3: is the vibe from with uh, Josh McDaniels, from Rich Versace to John Gruden?
4: Um, <laughs> they are three different people, you know what I'm saying? But I'm I'm used to that. Um, honestly, coming from college background, I had you know I have experience with different coaches. So honestly, you you just gotta as a player, you gotta be able to adjust and do what your coach wants you to do and buy into what he's doing. I think the whole team is buying in to what Coach McDaniels is is doing, and uh, I think we just keep doing that. We're going to be a, a very a very good team, I feel like. All right, Great. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Nate. Thank
3: you. Thanks,
2: there you go right there. Raiders cornerback, Nate Hobbs. That's always good to hear from Nate, man. I like I like Nate. He's a he's a good dude, hell of a player, did some really good things his rookie year. Uh looking to do even better things in his second season with the Silver and Black. So uh yeah, many many thanks to uh to Nate for uh for well joining the media earlier today and DeMond, great job uh breaking that down and, and letting us hear a little bit of what Nate had to say. Uh let's see, got a Got another text I want to get to, and then I'll take a break. Uh, how about Mode? A 69187 keyword r and A Patrick Graham-led New York Giants defense ranked top 10 in points allowed in the last couple of years, so there's that. Is it wrong for us to expect that kind of production from our Raiders this upcoming season? I mean, we always say Patrick Graham is head coach material, so here's where he proves it. Make the Raiders a top 10 D, and I guarantee we're going to go to the big dance. Let's go Raiders. So there you go. He's talking about a top 10 defense. Look, I'm talking about if you can just – uh, hold opposing teams to 24 points. That's all I'm asking for. I, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I, I never expect, you know, shut down defense because it's so difficult in today's NFL. You know, the way that uh, the ball is thrown around the yard, the way that the, the rules are set up for the offense really to go out there and excel. I'm, I, I never expect a shut down defense. Sometimes there's defenses that are way better than others, but, man, if you could just get around 24 points a game, if you allow about 24 points a game, I think you're winning a lot of football games. So Raider Nation would love to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line of 69187, keyword r What are your realistic expectations for this Raiders defense this upcoming year? What does Patrick Graham need to do? Where, where does this team need to to go as far as the defensive? Not even ranking as far as top ten, but just, I mean, how many points are you looking at per game? And what kind of turnovers do you think that they need to create? Because they didn't create a whole bunch of them in 2021. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
4: Yo, what's up, what's up, Raider Nation? It's your homie, Too Short, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920,
2: baby. 324 is the time. Unnecessary roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. DeMond Cotton, your boy Q coming up at 3:30 Matt Holder he'll join the show to talk all things Darren Waller he had a chance to interview him also Uh, put out a really good podcast with Darren Waller on it. And so I just kind of want to pick his brain a little bit and find out what he learned when he was talking to Darren Waller. So that's coming up in a matter of minutes. Right now I've been talking about the defense in great detail so far on today's show. Heard earlier in hour number one defensive line coach Frank Ocam. Uh, We just listened to what cornerback Nate Hobbs had to say uh, at the media availability earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. All day Raider A hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187. Keyword R&R, my expectations for this defense this year are 14 interceptions, 10 fumble recoveries, and most importantly, knowing how to get off the field on third and fourth down. Stop the stupid penalties. Once the offense starts cooking with grease, the defense is going to want to summon that love and feel pushed by the offense. And if all these things happen, they should finish as the 14th-ranked defense in the league. I like that. He broke it down. He gave me the interceptions, gave me the fumbles, told me that they have to get off the field on third and fourth down, similar to my man P.E. in North Carolina, and stop the stupid penalties, and they'll rank around 14th. And that's what we always talk about, right? Middle of the pack defense, middle of the pack defense. If they could be around there... They're going to win a whole lot of games. But as many have pointed out, man, uh, also extending drives is going to help. You know, winning on third down is going to help. You know, holding on to the ball is going to help. That helps the defense as well. Keeps them off the field. Not saying that they can't, you know, do well and win on on the field. But if they're not on the field, then you don't have to worry about anything. How about this text from the 520? I feel like asking for 20 interceptions isn't really asking for too much because – if we have the two premier defensive ends we think we have, they should help the secondary, the secondary get a few more turnovers. Mixing Graham's defense, we should be in position to surpass last year's total by at least 15. And I, I said that that's a, a lot to look at number tw- at 20 interceptions only because six is so low. You know, and and when you create turnovers, that's habit forming. You know, so these guys, the Nate Hobbs, the Trayvon Merricks, you know, whoever's the Trayvon Mullins, those guys, they have to get in the habit of creating turnovers. You go back to college with a guy like Trayvon Mullin, I mean, interceptions were something that he didn't really do that often. He didn't come up with interceptions that much at Clemson. I mean, he really didn't. Uh, what he's done so far in the NFL, I think he had, what, one or two last season? I think he had one last season. I know I remember that game in Pittsburgh. He might have had one more. But, uh, well, obviously when you only have six, then nobody had a lot of interceptions. But still, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. It's habit forming. You've got to be, you know, like and obviously Charles Woodson was a Hall of Famer. But Charles Woodson, what did he say? See ball, get ball. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's – his intention was to get the ball all the time. And that's why, DeMond, uh, you've mentioned Janoris Jenkins. you mentioned Joe Hayden. Those are guys who have traditionally in their career come up with turnovers. They are in the habit. Now, Jack Rabbit Jenkins is going to get – he's going to get beat. You know, he's going to get beat. So that's why I'm not really a, a guy that's a big believer in bringing him in because, well, what he did last season in Tennessee wasn't so hot. But he also if – if you're looking for turnovers, he's going to help create some turnovers.
3: Yeah, and going back to to, to the texture that said twenty interceptions, that's not too much to ask for. Only team that had more than twenty, the New England Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys, who led the league with twenty six. Right. So only two teams had more than twenty. Right. Everyone it, else was at nineteen and under.
2: And look, uh, Tra- uh, Trayvon Diggs, he had what? Oh. He had like twelve himself. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know he he was a dude. He he was a dude. But the problem with him is uh, similar to guy. I mean, and look.
3: He was the ultimate case because you mentioned Jenkins. He was the ultimate, like, feast of famine.
2: Yeah, and Diggs was just the same. I mean, the the, the trouble with some of those guys that create a bunch of turnovers is they take a ton of chances, and sometimes it doesn't work out. And for Diggs, it didn't work out a lot. I mean, it really didn't work out a lot, but when it did work out, which obviously, if he had double-digit interceptions, it did. But I mean, I, there was Cowboy fans that I know personally, like, yeah, he's good, but he's one of those yeah buts because they just get tired of seeing him get beat so many times as well. But then he'll come up with a couple interceptions here and there, and it's kind of like all's forgiven for the time. So uh, that's good stuff right there. Uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah, that uh, that those turnovers, they have got to happen. The defense being able to get off the field on third and fourth down—that has got to happen. Stupid penalties—they have—they—they—they they, they can't have those stupid penalties at all. They just gotta—they've got to be able to eliminate those, no doubt about it. So, uh, just in a matter of minutes, we'll be getting to Matt Holder from SilverAndBlackPride.com. I just need to actually pass the number on to Demond so he can actually call him. My bad, Demond. <laughs> so he's hitting him up right now. Uh, But Raider Nation would love to continue the conversation about the defense. You can definitely hit us up at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Do not forget that we'll continue to give out tickets to Jurassic World that movie premiere we're showing on Tuesday. It's going to be at seven p.m. So we're going to send you and a guest to the movie so you can go check out the the world premiere. I believe it's going to be in theaters on the tenth, but we're going to show it to you on the seventh. We're going to send you have a nice little uh, have a little date night or take the kiddos out once they're out of school now and uh, and go out and have a good time speaking out of school oh man i don't think i have enough time on today's show but i said in yesterday's show that i was uh, at my home studio because i had a i had a, a graduation to go to coronado High. uh little sarah she graduated man can i tell you the kind of kind of uh situation let's just put it like that situation i had at the graduation that i will definitely will try to close out the show talking about the graduation situation that I was a part of yesterday over at the MGM. But right now, as promised, on the phone lines, my guy Matt Holder from silverandblackpride.com, at mholder95 on Twitter. And, Matt, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And uh, you created quite a buzz, my man. I saw you getting a lot of love on Twitter uh, with the interview that you did with Darren Waller. And so, uh, first of all, congratulations on on getting that interview. I, I know that you did a great job on it. What would you say was your biggest takeaway when you were talking to Waller?
5: I uh, Appreciate you having me on again, Q, as always. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things was, you know, I think uh, for me getting to know Darren Waller, obviously I've watched him play for a while, is, uh, you know, he's just as advertised. Uh, you know, everything you hear about him being such a great guy, really easy to talk to. I mean, as I'm sure you know, those interviews sometimes can be uh, – not exactly easy to come about, harder, um, you know, especially when you only have a limited time with the, with the guy and uh, talk with him, but with Darren, it was so so easy, again, right from the jump, super personable guy, um, great, great person, even better, and that was kind of the, the biggest takeaway I had is, you know, Darren Waller, the man, is, is just an awesome person, so.
2: Yeah, no, he, he really is. And, of course, he's got a great message. We all know his story really well. And, of course, he's a hell of a player on the field. And I know you guys didn't get into contract conversations. That's not something he's going to do uh, in an interviews-type setting. He's going to let his agents take care of that. But what would you think? What, what do you think that the Raiders need to do as far as addressing his contract? Because we know he's under contract for the next couple of years, but it's very minimal money. He's ranked around the 17th highest paid tight end in the league, and he's definitely uh, well outplayed that contract.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of interesting, you know, that was one of the questions I brought up with him is uh, I think we can all agree, everyone listening and everyone in the room uh, can agree Darren Waller is not the 17th best tight end in the NFL, and far from that. Um, you know, just from talking to him, you know, that was the other thing that kind of struck me about uh, with what, what he's saying, what his message was. is he's not concerned about, you know, being, you know, the highest paid tight end and, you know, unseating George Kittle and Travis Kelce or anything like that. But like anybody, he wants to get more money than what he's worth. He's obviously outplay that contract. I would think personally they probably want to put him in the top five. I don't want to speak for Darren or anything like that, but I would imagine that's probably that sweet spot. You know, again, I asked him where he wanted to rank, and uh, even so he just kind of gave me, a, or he wasn't giving me a whole lot or anything. You know, he just wants a, wants a fair deal, and uh, you know, I think uh, one of the things that really sells it for me with him is it's not just lip service, and I think uh, the best example of that, I mean. How many times do we hear about guys going in a contract dispute, missing stuff like training camp that they have to show up to? And Darren right. Waller is out there at uh, voluntary workouts. He's out there at OTAs right now while undergoing a, a contract dispute. And I think that really speaks to, uh, really hammers home his message for him. Is, you know, it's, it's not about making top dollar or anything like that, but I think he, he realizes what great a uh, situation he's in. He wants to stick around and wants to stay around playing with the Raiders and um, no, obviously, I think mean, he, he deserves more money than he's getting. Again, you know, he's not 17th best tight end. And he deserves to get a get a little bit of a pay bump. So
2: we'll see how it
5: how it unfolds. But yeah, he's definitely, a, definitely not much of an ego when it comes to that part for him.
2: No, I hear you. Again, we're talking with Matt Holder right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio, 920. Had a really good uh, interview with Darren Waller, put out in podcast form. You can check it out. Again, check out his Twitter, at mholder95. You can get a link to it and check out that interview. And as far as his play on the field this year in particular, Matt, I mean, you got a three-headed monster, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and, of course, Darren Waller. Uh, What are the expectations for Waller in this offense? How big of a factor? You know what he's done in the past. What do you think he'll do this season?
5: I think, I honestly, I'm really excited to see how the uh, the offense, you know, kind of opens up with him. I think uh, one of the questions I asked him was, you know, obviously we've heard a lot about McDaniels talking about versatility with just about every position, every single player. And, uh, um, you know, with Darren Waller, that's included. And one of the things, again, that to asked him was, what does that mean for you? And he was saying that, you know, they're trying him out in different spots. They're going to be, uh, he's going to be in different, you know, Different parts of your screen. If you're watching at home on TV, it's going to be one of those years where I think you're going to have to you're going to have to use your DVR a little bit and pause the pause the screen to find where number 83 is, which I think is going to really help us because um, you know if we're sitting there trying to figure out where the guy is. So with the defense too? And like you said, with those other two guys around him. I mean, I was just thinking about it before we uh, hopped on here. Imagine putting Devontae Adams. Uh, Aaron Waller and Hunter Renfro on the same side in the trips formation. You're basically just telling the defense, "Pick which one we want you to beat you beat you with." And uh, again, I think that, I think him being able to play more roles, playing the slot a little bit more, and of course in line as a tight end and out wide, I think it's going to really open it up and it really open up his game.
2: You know, I uh, heard him on the Ross Tucker podcast talking about the red zone and how you know they were all big fans of Rich Basaccia and uh, all the players loved what he was able to do with the team last season. But he understood what the new regime wanted, and he said that they had an emphasis on the red zone. What is your anticipation for Waller? How much do you think he could benefit from having Adams and Waller in the red Renfro- in the uh, uh, Adams and Renfro, excuse me, in the red zone and uh, Derek Carr throwing the ball into the end zone instead of throwing it sideline to sideline like we saw a lot last season.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think with with the biggest thing with that is is it kind of uh, it kind of translates a little bit further out from the red zone too. Is you can't put two guys on wall or in the red zone. You can't take away the big guy in the red zone anymore because there are two more threats that uh, you have to take care of. So I think they can you will we'll get more one on one matchups with uh, with a six seven tight end that can go up and get the ball. And I mean, if we go back and look at like some of Derek Carr's history, he's done really well throwing those 50-50 balls to guys like Crabtree. So I think that could be a uh, one area where they where they. Uh, Get to used at waller a little bit more and take advantage of his size out in the out in the scoring area which as we know has been one of the problems for the Raiders in the past few years
2: yeah it really has again we're talking with Matt Holder right now on unnecessary roughness radio 920 now I did want to turn our attention to the defensive side of things we've been talking a lot of defense on today's show we heard from Frank Ocam earlier heard from Nate Hobbs earlier uh, what are your expectations what do you think this Raiders defense needs to do under Patrick Graham they took a step in my opinion last season in the right direction how do they take that next step this season?
5: I think one of the biggest things is just staying healthy, man. I mean, we, we go back and think about how many injuries and how the they had the rotating door at, at the uh, second corner spot between whether it was Amic Robinson, Brandon Staison, or anyone else that they could kind of almost almost find off the street, even with a guy like True Fun. I think that's going to be one of the biggest keys, especially um, this year. You know, they're going to be a little bit younger. I think in the secondary, that's probably the the biggest area concern across the board, and uh, you know, figuring out how the corner rotation is going to work. I'll be interested to see how they how they involve a guy like Anthony Haverett, who's been been a pretty good uh, corner out in Baltimore for a few years. So, And uh, on that note, kind of getting Trayvon Mullen healthy and making sure he has a, a good year a good year is going to be a big part of that too, which,
2: you know, that was the, the biggest
5: problem last year. You know, we played, what, three four games at the start of the year, got hurt, came back for a half and got hurt again. So can't do much if you're in the training room, but I think that's going to be the biggest thing is staying healthy and, and figuring out how they can uh, – Solve the youth problem in the secondary, which, you know, a couple guys like Max Crosby and Chandler Jones in the pass rush area can definitely help with.
2: You know, Chandler, not Chandler Jones, excuse me, Max Crosby and and Yannick Ngakwe were a nice one-two punch last season. I think that they had 18 total sacks uh, between the two guys. How mm-hmm. much do you think that it will be improved this season with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby?
5: Well, I think one of the things, that, you know, if you go look up the numbers, even if you look up the uh, the advanced stats on PSF or anything with the pressure, you know, I don't think you're going to see as many eye-popping numbers from Chandler Jones, whereas um, Yannick Ngakoue, I felt like probably had better volume volume numbers, just because you get more of the one-on-one blocks. If you're looking at, if you go back and watch the tape, you can tell the offense or the opposing offenses were, were more concerned with Crosby than they were with Yannick. And then if you go back and watch some Cardinals film from last year, you know Chandler Jones was the guy, especially after JJ Watt went down. Um, you know he was the guy, and he still put up some pretty decent numbers. I think still had 10 sacks and still had a, a good amount of pressures. So I think what that's going to help both of them out. They're going to be able to play off each other a little bit again. You know, it's, it's kind of what we were just talking about on the offense uh, uh, with the offense and the receivers. It's kind of the same thing with the pass rushers. Which guy are you going to at least single block? Because both those guys can destroy one-on-one blocks, and it's going to be tough for offenses. So for sure.
2: Right, absolutely. Again, talking with Matt Holder right now, silverandblackpride.com on Twitter at mholder95. And before we let you go, I want to ask you they got about $22 million in salary cap space right now. There's been a lot of people talking about what the Raiders should do, if they should do anything with that salary cap space. What are your thoughts? What do you think that they need to do, if anything, with that extra space?
5: Um, go out, go out and find a right tackle, man. I think uh, there have been a few guys out there that, are, that are, are still out there. I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Played the Bills last year. Um,
2: yep.
5: But, uh, yeah, you know there are a couple right tackles. I think that they can probably at least, you know, give a shot and bring those guys in. I'd like to see one of those. Um, and then, you know, a guy like that I'm kind of surprised is still available would be a guy like Will Fuller. I think he'd bring something to their offense that they don't necessarily have. You know, Devontae Adams not a not a slow guy by any means but you know obviously not his they don't have that kind of deep threat type of guy that right now other than uh tyron johnson who you know we saw what make two catches last year so i'd like to see them bring in him he'd be another guy um you know unfortunately right now i think they're they're kind of the the well is pretty dry as far as cornerbacks or, or uh safety go so i don't know if they'll be able to solve that problem but that'd be definitely two of my priorities maybe uh finding that right tackle and kicking the tires on will fuller so he's he's a guy that can maybe uh at the very least, come in and play that role and uh, take that top of the defense, and that would obviously uh, add some more pedigree to that already prestigious uh, receiving core.
3: All right, Matt. I read the little. I read the blurb about what you were going to talk about on the podcast with Darren Waller, and I've got to ask the Winston Churchill tattoo. <laughs> did he give you the inspiration? And what's the most obscure tattoo that you wouldn't think that he would have that he has? Because it's got to be the Churchill one, right? I mean, I,
5: I was caught off guard by that. Yeah, the context of that is he, we were actually talking about his contract and he had uh, brought up a quote. I don't, unfortunately, I can't remember the quote off the top of my head. Uh, but, yeah, he's apparently a huge Winston Churchill fan. When he was in some of his darkest days, he said he found uh, you know, a few quotes from Winston Churchill, and that's kind of where where the inspiration drew. And, uh, yeah, he said he has a, a, a mural of uh, Winston Churchill tattooed on his ankle with Winston Churchill smoking a cigar. So I was uh, – I like I said in the in the interview I was like I was not expecting to find that out coming out of the um coming into the interview so it it's pretty awesome and I I definitely think that one's gotta be up there. I mean Darren Waller does have a have, have a couple tattoos, so uh, I'm not expecting <laughs> a feature price, but uh but yeah, it was definitely an interesting one. I did not expect to, to find out that Waller's a, a Winston Churchill fan. Also he just said he bought his like thousand page uh, biography on Amazon. So I'm like guys uh, well read again. You know, obviously, a big inspiration for him. It pretty cool
2: to find out. There you go, there you go. A little insight there on Darren Waller again. Check out the podcast that uh, that Matt was able to put together, man. Really good interview with Darren Waller. And well, while you're, I mean, you're cooking with grease right now, man. What what uh, what else you got coming up that we yeah. need to be on the lookout for?
5: Yeah, I mean, Waller interview. Obviously, big part still out. Definitely, uh, guys, go check that out. Quick little twenty minute podcast. Um, I'm actually going to be working on as soon as we hang up here uh, a piece on Chandler Jones. Um, um, you know. One of the things that people have uh, kind of drawn back about him or are concerned about him is his run defense. I'm going to dive into that a little bit, go into the numbers and watch this film like I normally do for uh, if anybody's checked out my articles before. So you can see what we got in uh, Channel Jones as far as the run defense because obviously that's a big part of the game too.
2: There it is right there, silverandblackpride.com is where you can find Matt's work. Of course, on Twitter at mholder95 and with us here on Unnecessary Roughness. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Great job on the Wilder interview. Appreciate the breakdowns, man. We'll be talking soon.
5: No problem. Absolutely. Thank you.
2: Yep, there he goes. Matt Holder, fantastic job again. silverandblackpride.com, and you can find all his work at mholder95. That is his Twitter handle. He was talking about Darrell Williams. That was the right tackle from the Buffalo Bills that he was talking about that's still out there. And I think that that's the consensus guy that almost all of Raider Nation is saying, hey, uh, if there's a guy out there to go get to add to that o- offensive line, uh, he would be the guy. And and for this reason is why I would really uh, you know want to bring him in. One, he could be a right tackle. We know that. But he also has the versatility to play guard, and that's something that fits across criteria of what Josh McDaniel's what GM Dave Ziegler what they're all looking for so that's another reason why I think that Daryl Williams makes a lot of sense. Again, we had Adam Hill on the show earlier today, and he really got me on board with uh and Sue, so uh, now I'm starting to lean that way, and I love the way that I could be swayed. I mean, it's June 2nd, so I guess it's easy to sway someone one way or the other, but uh, man, just I, I think just kind of looking back at, at, at the team and knowing who's there, the cast and characters of who's there right now, and what the possibilities could be if they're able to put everything together. I mean, I think they're in line for what could potentially be a really special season, but again, they've got to be able to put it all together, three forty-three is the time. We'll come back, close up shop, get your final calls and texts, and then we'll pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor, who was also at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, uh, Raiders HQ for uh, for OTAs earlier today. So he'll give you his thoughts. He'll talk about what he was able to see, his biggest takeaways. It's all coming up on on, on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Hey, Raider Nation! This is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio nine twenty.
0: Welcome back to Unnecessary Ruffles. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. here's your boy Q.
2: Just got a few minutes left of today's show. They going fast and furious. Vinny Boston are coming up 4 to 6 p.m. in the Huddle. Let you know what he uh, he thought about OTA's today. Pretty excited about just being out there. It was hot, but we found a nice cool spot for the most part to chill for a second or two and and check out the action. So Vinny will give you his thoughts coming up right after 4 o'clock. Got a text on the Ash text line at 69187 keyword R&R. Got this from Vegas Pete. He said, again, when people complain about giving Waller a long contract since he turns 30, consider this. Waller is a young 30. He has only played a full time since 2019. The same as Max and Jacobs who are in their prime. He's good until at least 35. So, Damon, use your noggin. He's got low mileage. Runs like a Jaguar. (laughs) There you go. Runs like a Jaguar. The, the <laughs> That's, over what there rolling.
3: That's what got me right there. Runs like a Jaguar.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to put you know, longevity on, on Waller's career. I'm not going to sit here and say he's good for the next four or five years. He's good for three years. He's only good for one year. I'm not going to say that. I just The only thing I'll say uh, about the long-term deal is when you look at what the Raiders have done as far as their contracts that they've given out, to me it's basically saying we believe our window is about three years. They've given themselves outs with Adams. They've obviously given themselves outs with Carr. Uh, They've got Chandler Jones on his deal. They've got even their deal with uh, Max Crosby. I mean, they've given themselves a a, a window of this is when we believe we can get it done. So – that's where I'm going to go with. And so, whatever they do with Waller, I believe it's, I don't think it's going to be a four or five year deal. Not not because he doesn't deserve it or because he can't play it. I just think that they're going to allow themselves to have that same out, you know, that same window. And even if they do say technically on paper it's four years, we know what NFL contracts are like. I could see a four year deal with an out after two. Exactly. I, I could totally see that. You know what I mean? Like that, to me, that would be probably around the, the range of what it's it's most likely going to be. Uh, I did get a tweet that I wanted to pass along from Aaron. He uh, he hit us up, myself, Damon, and Raider Nation Radio 920 at R&R 920 AM. You hit it right on the head, Q. We can't allow more than 25 points a game as a defense. We should be able to score 24 points and win a game. We can't be that team that needs to score 30 just to be in the game. And that's got to be the key. That's kind of what the sweet spot's been for me. Around 24, 25 points a game is where they need to find a way to 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 shut it down after that you know don't allow more than that 24 or 25 and I know there's certain games that okay you know you're just gonna have to throw it out the window and realize that that's a that's a big time performance or whatever you know a team just gets hot or maybe you have some turnovers like they get against Kansas City when they were in Kansas City you know first play of the game uh, Josh Jacobs fumbles and then they go for a touchdown takes it back to the house I mean those are one of those games that's like oh damn it's just gonna get out of out of hand in this game sometimes those things happen. And really, if you go and look at some of the losses that the Raiders had, some of them were some big-time performances like that. You know, Kansas City got them a couple times. Uh, Cincinnati really kind of ran away the first time that they played them at Allegiant Stadium. They ran away at the end of it. It got out of control. So, you know, a couple of those games that aren't so much out of control and much closer than their average goes down from what it was a a season ago. But I do think around 24 or 25 points is about the sweet spot. That's where you want to be because I do think that this offense will have an opportunity to score. Plenty of points, but they've got to be able to uh, get off the field. They've got to be able to create a couple turnovers and, uh, you know, and, and give the opp- the offense opportunities to continue to make, uh, to score some more and score some more and score some more. Uh, I had another text that I wanted to get to, and I'm trying to find it right now, and I hate when I do that. But anyway, I lost that text. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I swore I saw it. I was like, ooh, I got to get to that one, and I totally forgot uh, to do it, but that's okay. So, Earlier we heard from uh, we heard from uh, Frank OCam, the defensive line coach. We also heard from Nate Hobbs. I know Hunter Renfro spoke to the media as well. So uh, Vinny might have that that he plays in its entirety. If you want to hear all these interviews, you can always go to raiders.com. You can check them out on their YouTube page. They have all of these, but uh, we're also providing them throughout the course of the show. I know uh, Chandler Jones was uh, played on, on uh, JT the Brick show earlier, where Harry Ruiz was filling in for him. He'll obviously play, or uh, he'll be on the on the air again tomorrow. From noon to 2 for, uh, for JT. tomorrow. what you got for me?
3: Hey, during Chandler Jones' presser, I'm glad you brought him up. Willie was talking about chicken speedies, and I had to Google it. Before this, before today, did you ever hear – have you ever heard of a chicken speedy?
2: No, no, I didn't.
3: It's basically just a chicken scent, like some grilled chicken. Right. On, I, yeah, but it was like I had to look it up because I was – man, I was they talking about it like it's real good.
2: Well, I you mean, gotta you know, and, and that's from Chandler Jones's uh, area where he grew up, you know, and, and good – Big ups to Willie for doing the research and knowing that because it was so funny when you asked him that question uh, about the, the speedies, uh, you know, it, it kind of threw off, it threw off the whole question. It was so funny because Chandler Jones all of a sudden got that stuck in his mind and, also, he said, wait, what was the question again? Totally forgot the question. Just all he had was chicken speedies in his mind. So that, that was pretty cool. So, um, you know, it's, it's always cool when you go to an interview or go to a, a media session and you have a little bit of uh, extra knowledge, you did a little bit more research, and you can bring something to make it a little bit more personable uh, to, the, to, you know, to that session. And then the, the player uh, likes to open up a little bit about that. Uh, also in that media session, I asked Chandler Jones about playing with Max Crosby. He had mentioned to us tomorrow when he was on the radio with us, he was excited about playing with uh, with Max. He, he said that at his opening presser as well when he signed his contract. So I asked him, you know, hey, uh, how much do you anticipate pushing you know, how much do you guys anticipate pushing each other? Because if you remember last year, that was one of the big things, right? Unique Ngakwe and Max Crosby, they pushed the hell out of each other. If, if Crosby had a sack, Ngakwe wanted a sack. If, if Ngakwe had two, Max wanted two. If they had a certain amount of pressures, I mean, they were always competing and pushing each other. And I think that's good. I think that's great to have guys that could push, push each other like that. So uh, he's already talking about him and Max are, are pushing each other. So I think that that is, uh, is very important. If they can do that, if they can continue to do that, that's going to go uh, a really long way. And and hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, they're able to get both guys are able to get double-digit sacks. As a matter of fact, here is Chandler Jones talking about uh, Max Crosby pushing him.
4: Oh, he's already been pushing me, uh, and it's, it's it's insane almost to this point where where I am in my career. You know, being 11 years in or going into my 11th season. Uh, there's been there's been a few times in this camp now where I see Max, you know, running to the next drill, and I'm kind of like, I got to go faster. Look at Max. He's already over there, you know. Um, and I, he's younger than me, but like I said, he's he's pushed me in that in that sense already. So um, I'm excited to rush him. Like, he was a huge reason why I came to Las Vegas, too. it's one of the, the main reasons why I came to play with him. So uh, I, I get giddy even
2: talking about him. So well, he's probably out there waiting for me now. That's my boy. How cool is that? That's one of the main reasons I came to Las Vegas is to play with Max Crosby. Think about how much respect... This young Max Crosby is getting across the NFL already. If a guy like Chandler Jones, uh, like you said, going into his eleventh year, has over hundred sacks, one hundred seven and a half career sacks to be exact, is excited to be able to come play with Max Crosby. I mean, that's that's and, and that's not you know a slight to Max. That's more like a hey man, you're already creating a lot of noise across the league to the to the point that these veterans want to come play with you. I think that that's a real tip of the cap to Mad Max Crosby and shows what he's what, what kind of respect he's earning. Across the National Football League and what the Raiders have, and there's a big reason why the Raiders gave him that contract extension. You know, not only because the hard work that he's putting in, but also he's a guy that players respect around the league. I think that's a big deal, and that's probably going to pay dividends later on when they attempt to go sign other guys. Hey, by the way, you can play with Chandler Jones. You can play with Max Crosby. That's going to factor into it as well. Vinny Bonsignor, he's up next in the huddle. Four to six p.m. Be back in studio tomorrow. This is Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty.